Status through spend, new routes and devaluations, and singular use programs on today's Milonomic Squared podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Sam Simon. And I'm Robert Dwyer. And this is the Milonomic Squared podcast, no annual fee edition. If you're not subscribed to the full Milonomic Squared podcast, you're missing out on a deeper dive into topics like the following. Item number one here, you know, I called it status through spend, but it's really status through a bank point transfer. And what I'm talking about is a new promotion that came out today from Singapore Airlines. Net it out real quick. You can transfer 250,000 bank points, you know, MX or City or Chase over to Singapore. And for every five bank points transferred, you get one elite qualifying mile, which means you can get Star Alliance Gold for 12 months by performing that transfer. And people like Star Alliance Gold, I'd say it's probably the best, you know, second tier of the major carriers, the major alliances. Because you get things like United Star Alliance Lounge Access when you fly domestically on United, even if you're never going to set foot on a Singapore plane, and other Star Alliance gold benefits like boarding and stuff like that. So the big caution with this, though, is that Singapore miles expire in three years after they're earned, even with activity, which is probably one of the worst scenarios you see of any airline out there. So as much as it sounds tempting to do this, I think you really have to have a game plan before you jump in. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and this uh, this is coming from someone who transferred a bunch of miles last year to Aeroplan for, I guess it was silver status. I don't even remember why we did that other than to maybe test it and has done nothing with that since. So I think that if you are a heavy traveler and you have a use case for these miles, it can make absolute sense. This is that classic situation. Someone listening to this show right now is like, wow. All right, I was already going to book something with 230,000 Chris Flyer miles, so I'm just going to transfer an extra 20,000 over and get this. And, you know, in that situation, the differential between what you were going to do and what you have to do to maximize the value in this is small. But for someone who's thinking like, oh, well, I'm just going to, I just want to collect all the status I can collect. I'm going to transfer these miles over and I'll find a use for them later. I think that is extremely dangerous because the the expiration policy starts the clock when they when those miles show up, not when you start traveling or when you book or anything like that. So how much travel are you doing in the next 12 months? And then how confident are you you're going to take those flights? You could go through all of this, book the perfect peach reservation with the 250,000 miles you, you transferred over, and then the entire flight goes sideways because of covid or because of anything Uh, i do like some things about this promotion one is the duration all the way out to february 28th 2022 before you need to decide whether you're going to take advantage of this i mean maybe you need some time to make sure things are over there like you're saying i don't think i'm going to have not only that i'm not going to travel a ton in the next year less than i normally would but my usefulness for status is lower i think united's goal would be most useful to me if I was flying for work a bit, because when I have status by, yourself. It, by myself, because I have status for the family, the very little status conveys in general to the entire group. And especially it's not like you're gonna hop on a plane and be like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Mr. Dwyer here. We've got the whole first class cabin for you and your family uh, you know, with your gold, you know, Singapore status or whatever it might be. So it becomes more useful to me when it's just me. That lounge access. That's kind of nice, but I don't I don't travel enough. But like you, you said, it's going to be really a great thing for somebody. I do like the nature of it being something that you get where you might have done that transfer anyway. 
that's worked out well for me in the past. You mentioned that aeroplan. Well, the only thing that's been useful for so far is getting to the head of the call center when I have to go in and cancel my flights inevitably, <laughs> award <laughs> flights I've been hoping to take for two years now. Uh, one that worked out really well back in the day, the deep cut here that some might remember is Virgin America, now defunct airline that got folded into Alaska. And they had a promotion where you got gold status with them. And it worked out great as they got folded into Alaska. And then, you know, status matched that Alaska to JetBlue and just went on for like three years. I'm like, when is this thing going to end? So could other airlines do something like this? Could this be leveraged into status and something that's more useful to you even than the Singapore Star Line status? Well, I think that's two questions. I think they're both excellent questions. I think that one, that this going until February of next year gives us the opportunity to sit and see what other options are available to us. You know, the 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 economics here work in Singapore's favor, I think, because they get paid for the miles by someone. And so which other airlines are sitting there going, you know, we could make so much money. It's the producers all over again, Robert. We can make more money from a flop than a hit. I mean, if, <laughs> if no one ever takes our flights and we never book anything, we make all the money, <laughs> yeah. especially when these miles expire. So I'm thinking what other airlines could give away status because their miles expire and it would be more lucrative than this that, you know, and you're a transfer partner of everyone. And that's not a long list in my head. I was going to say, that's a really good question. Whose miles expire even with activity? I know we, we got to think of one here. ANA? Oh, that's a great one. That's a great yeah. one. Yeah. It's just a sinking feeling, right? It's just a terrible feeling. Like, oh, it really God. is awful. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah. And especially the levels we're talking about here, 250,000. I really think I need to have a viable flight that I want to take, that Singapore miles are the best thing for that. And I actually do like their miles. If I look at the times that I've wanted to use them in the past, you're battling partner award availability when you want to potentially take one of their flights. And a lot of times what comes up is Fifth Freedom flights, maybe uh, JFK over to Frankfurt. Uh, on yeah. th That's a fantastic flight, and it's a gateway to Europe that's been useful to me in the past. But the only way you can book that is with Singapore's miles head on. So I need to see a situation appear to me where it's the best thing to do and it's the best currency to book with. And so until I see that, eh, probably not going to do it because you can find another uh, chart out there that's more favorable for flying partner star lines, I think, in almost every case than Singapore. I mean, have you ever redeemed yeah. a Singapore mile in your life? Uh, I have to Hawaii. You know, it used to be a great option to Hawaii before, like you're saying, some better options came along uh, that also book star alliance for less without the situation of the miles expiring the same mm -hmm. way. So mm -hmm. it's it is it's a it's a, a solution looking for a problem almost for me. Yeah. And yeah. But you know, like we say, there's there's someone out there that this is the perfect thing for. And I, I think speaking of that, Robert, there's someone who this next item is the perfect thing for. And it, it, it could be one of us. It could be both of us. Or neither of us. <laughs> <laughs> or neither of us. Yeah. <laughs> JetBlue announces Boston to Heathrow and JFK to Heathrow service. This has been teased, has been rumored for so long. And then everything in the world changed and COVID and uh, travel bans and everything. And so really nice to see the details start to materialize here. The hard product, the soft I don't think we have the exact times of these flights, but it looks like a red eye there and then a morning flight back 
Robert, this is in your backyard. Are you excited about this from Boston? Uh, before I get into that, I'm just thinking of all the details that we know about this. You know, you know exactly what the entrees are going to look like in the economy <laughs> and how they're going to be laid out and what the options. You know what you're practically thinking of what you're going to order, and we don't even know what the price is going to be, whether this is really going to happen. We don't know whether when they're going to start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember, we lived in Arizona. We lived in this uh, master plan community. We bought a townhouse out there, and they had so many detailed descriptions of oh, there's going to be a resort here, and this is where the trails are, and all this kind of stuff. And it was all just a just a just kind of Dirt. sketch of what was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we moved there. We're like, let's go on that trail. And we walked on this trail for like 10 feet into the desert. It just stopped. There was there was nothing out there. It was like, is this what's going to happen? Is Are these flights actually going to happen? Like, why are they trying to paint such a clear picture of how they're going to do it? We don't even know when it's going to happen. I think they're right. maybe trying to build up yeah. hype and excitement for it. Maybe investors. I don't know. But I, I, I like the idea of, I like more options, uh, of course. And living in Boston, I'd like to be able to take flights that maybe would be better and cheaper and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that JetBlue has been a low-cost carrier that has challenged other carriers on price to make them bring it down. I mean, we saw that maybe a little bit with Mint early on. You know, oh, boy, it's so expensive to fly from JFK to LA. And look, here comes yeah. Mint. It's the best product and so cheap. When I look now, and half the time, it's twice as much as any other option. So they're pricing it to quality. I know what you mean. And <laughs> so, so then who is the person that this is for who's the hypothetical person they want to fly only to heathrow because i think that's a huge limitation here the route network is not robust enough to get you around europe like a full star alliance uh carrier would and so they're competing with who who flies that route as well British Airways? British Airways to fly it. Um, American comes and goes on it. Uh, I think United took a poke at it uh, recently. Uh, Virgin Atlantic. Uh, there's a lot of competition on the route out of Boston. So yeah. uh, I don't know. They're going to really have to hit a good price point. And I think they will initially probably, you know, 599 or some teaser rate, maybe push it up to 999 And that could be compelling. But like you say, that network is important. Mm. You know, we've talked before about just getting over the pond and how that isn't sufficient for me. You know, I want some protection. I like to be able to add on an additional leg for no additional miles to get to the destination. A lot of times when I go to Europe, we don't stop and stay in London. We continue on to, you know, Germany, Italy, wherever. And there are a lot of good Starlines carriers that offer that. Gosh, it almost makes me wonder whether whether we're going to see them fold into star lines here because the full alliance yeah yeah <laughs> right uh, because they, I mean, need they that. have that one-to-one with aa it's such a weird fit ah, they just announced true. that partnership yeah so it, it's, it is sense. an interesting dynamic yeah well let me ask you from the west coast uh, c- could you see utility in this could you fly uh, mint <sighs> from la to boston or jfk continue on maybe a little bit more mint or you know break it up mixed cabin a little economy a little bit mint i guess what you might have the same question starts to get multiplied i mean how many stops are you going to endure to get to europe when there might be a direct flight from la to exactly where you want to go yeah i, I really am only going to take one stop if, if at all possible, you and I might be outliers, Robert. We want as direct a flight as possible. I think that's something that we have in common. Even if we're on the opposite sides of the, this country, I will look at flying nonstop to Heathrow and then connecting in Heathrow. But I, I could see it. You know, if I'm going to look at a stop to Europe, stopping in Boston or JFK. Well, would you stop and get off the plane with enthusiasm or what? So can I get off the plane in Boston with enthusiasm as a stopover? That's the question. Are you enduring a stop in the airport for three, five hours, whatever it might be? Or are you jumping off the plane like, oh, on this trip, we get to see Boston or New York City and we get to see London or the destination beyond that? I mean, those are certainly like three great world cities. 
yeah, I guess it does break up the length of the flight in a way that I'm not a huge fan of, uh, especially with kids. I want to have a long flight where we can get some actual sleep. I, I'm not, you know what? I'm talking myself out of it, Robert. I don't like it. I, I just don't. I mean, people say the same the thing in the, in the West Coast direction, right? You go into Hawaii, stop in San Francisco for a few days. It's the best city and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, no. In practice, though, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a direct flight to Hawaii. I don't, I don't want to get on it. I'll go to California another time separately. <laughs> You're right. That's the difference. If there was no direct flight, I think then it makes sense. But yeah, if there's a direct flight from L.A., it makes no sense. Nah, it's, it's an interesting situation. If it works, I wonder what else it'll bring up. I wonder, I wonder where they might take this next. But for me, the length of the flight is, is not good. You know, it's not good. They're talking about this food service and everything, Robert. And can they get it done in 90 minutes? And I'm thinking like, well, what are the, well then that leaves what, three hours to sleep? I mean, it's almost too short. It really is. It really is almost too short. Yeah. But then they don't want to go too far because they don't want to invest in anything other than narrow body planes. It's a, it's another solution looking for a problem. Yeah. Hmm. We did uh, London on the way to Venice and Rome and we stopped there just because of the way the flight times worked. You know, we flew in the morning, spent the evening in London and another evening, then we boogied out of there the next day. And that was interesting, if not a, a bit disjoint in terms of, you know, oh, we're in London. Oh, we're in Venice. Oh, we're in Rome. It's just like sure. changing the channel very quickly. And you're seeing very different places and everything. So I wouldn't write it off. I, I do like London. It is a cool city. It's, you know, living in Boston or New York, I think it's almost too similar. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel foreign enough. It just feels like it's just slightly different. It's just, I don't know, just living in Boston. A bit older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we lived in Arizona and we went to London, I was like, this is incredible. It's such a different place. And we went there last time. It's like, this kind of feels like home. This river's kind of like, the, kind of like Cambridge, Boston. I don't know. But uh, definitely a world class city. And I could see visiting there and i like more options <laughs> rather than less so this is good <laughs> i gotta make the joke it is new england <laughs> exactly exactly I mean, so <laughs> what was it in uh in uh european vacation rusty says it looks like massachusetts <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i think you mentioned it robert but uh you might have mentioned it before we were recording you know, it's nice to see something new coming right now the way everything is with travel and for them to stick with this and actually making it happen it's nice so i i hope it works for them and i hope people take to it and uh, you know that they continue to expand their route map and who knows maybe an alliance is in the future so yeah i think this next one here uh, i guess we're calling it a devaluation from ihg i have a link to it in loyalty lobby and evidently the scheme they're going after is where the points track what the cash price is and Ah, I wasn't paying too close attention to it because I don't think that I have an IHG point to my name. And I, <laughs> you know, it's interesting to see what your thoughts were. My experience with this program has been their free net certificates that came with a credit card. And those have been a burden to <laughs> redeem. I've redeemed them like three times. Never, the state never came to fruition. And it's always, you know, expiring, hanging over my head. You know, speaking of Singapore miles expiring up, upstream. Uh, what does it mean to you, though, when the arguably the fourth most important loyalty hotel chain does something with their award chart? To me, it doesn't really mean a lot, but it does, I think, show it's some writing on the wall for the for the whole rest of the industry. And uh, I don't think good things are ahead. We've we've long said holding points, hoarding points. It's not a great idea. Uh, The rules change out from under you. The devaluations are unlimited. And with a year of almost no travel, we got a lot of points on the books that we got to get rid of. What are you going to do? You're going to devalue. I like the way they spin it, Robert, always. When prices are lower, the cost is lower. Well, yeah, it's more like what it used to be all the time. Enhanced. It's not good. It's definitely not good. 
uh, and it makes me fear for my balances in in Hilton, really. And it makes Ooh. me love my balances in transferable points like ultimate rewards and membership rewards instead of holding the actual hotel currencies. And this has always been a currency that never made sense for me with the flexible transfer partners that it had uh, because the, the cost for the room never seemed to make sense to transfer the points. So uh, the program never really made, made it off the ground for me for those reasons. And uh, if it doesn't have a transferable path, uh, then it's really hard for me to hold those points, knowing that these devaluations are always around the corner. That's interesting what you say about Hilton there. And I, it makes me realize how I'm not very heavy in any hotel loyalty program in terms of points and certificates sitting there. I'm very much invested in the Hyatt program. But man, I've got a ton of Hilton points. And I've got a ton of Hilton free night certificates, and I have no vision or thirst Plan. for staying at a Hilton property anytime I soon. I know. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. And it's like, if you uh, if you listen to our regular show on the Patreon network, you could probably go back and find like like guideposts along the way where we're so excited about Hilton and the free night certificates and the Aspire card. And then like we start realizing, like, well, now what? Now, now we've got all this. Now we got even more. And now COVID hits, and now they're all extended. And then, I, like an idiot, I went and bought more certificates last year through paying for stays that I canceled into certificates, thinking that, well, this is a great idea. And meanwhile, the points are stacking up. And so someone out there uh, is in a similar situation, I'm sure, with IHG. And this is a gut punch, you know, when you've got yeah. those points. And, and to come right at the tail end, maybe into the, the period where you're actually looking to book travel, that's not fair. That's really not fair, you know? That does stink. But it does make me really, uh, if I woke up tomorrow morning and there's a similar kind of haircut over on the Hilton side, that would be very unsettling. Got to get out there and start redeeming those. I think there are some good uses for Hilton, but boy, we just got to get back to it. I know. I do like I do like that those Hilton certs are not capped at a category. That's nice. Yeah. No, absolutely. I yeah. think they're way better than the IHG credit card certs that used to be pretty much uncapped but aren't. IHG introducing some interesting properties into the mix, but really doing a good job of uh, stopping outsized value. And that is always no fun. You know, fixed value chart and <laughs> no uh, outsized value. It's like, uh, I'll, I'll collect pennies if I want to do that, not your currency. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'll take this next one here, Robert. Alaska officially joins One World. It's happened. They're there. It was uh, long in the making and uh, delayed at least once before and uh, early April, one of the first days of April here, and they joined One World. What does that effectively mean? Well, it means that you have reciprocal benefits. It means that if you're an elite uh, flying on AA, you have some opportunities. I saw some uh, developments where you could fly long haul and get some confirmed upgrades through uh, the alliance here now on long-haul AA flights with your status on Alaska. Uh, For us, I'm not real sure what it means for me. I am not an Alaska elite. Uh, Robert, you're shut down with AA. Is this a silver lining for you that you could somehow get upgraded on an AA flight as an Alaska elite? That's interesting. I mean, we were talking about the JetBlue partner there, partnership there as well. I have Mosaic with JetBlue. I think at the moment I'd have to check with whether I have any status with Alaska. They seem to be pretty favorable with the status matches over there, almost recklessly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking of status matches, who knows what's going to happen if that Singapore boomerangs around. Uh, but would I? will I be able to now fly AA Metal and credit every one of those flights to Alaska. Is that possible? Is that what being part of One World? Is that what one thing that being part of One World means? Absolutely should work, yeah. yeah. <laughs> should work. I'll tell them to talk to you <laughs> if it doesn't work. <laughs> so, I mean, it is nice. You can put those miles somewhere instead of into a black hole. 
functionally, I think it makes it easier to book certain things with some of those one-to-one partners that Alaska had, like British Airways. You know, they were they were one-to-one partner with so many airlines that you almost thought they were already in one world. Yeah, uh, British Airways and AA, and uh, you know, so they had all these alliances themselves. And so this, I think, solidifies that into a system that is easier to deal with uh, when it comes to booking things like Alaska with British Airways Avios and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I like the um, possibilities. It's certainly better than not having those possibilities, uh, but makes me wonder what's going to happen in the long run with some of those one-to-one partnerships. So We're getting back into the time when uh, U.S. Airways and United were two big star lines carriers. Now we've got mm. two big one world carriers and, and JetBlue's partnership with AA mucks things up even more. Yeah, all those carriers fly into Boston significantly. I do business with all of them. And it is good, you know, being shut down with AA to have something to flank to. But I was saying the other day, you know, I said, I challenge you. And you came back really quickly. I said, can you think of a more overrated frequent flyer program than Alaska. And I think that might offend some people because they do seem to, you know, uh, foster goodwill from their loyal members, their actual loyal members. But I was just thinking that there always seems to be, even though they do a good job with the PR and, uh, you know, representing the program, you know, we'll always be distance based on the mile journey. We have no plans well, until they have plans or something, you know, something will change. Right. But yeah. but I was just thinking there's always seems to be a gotcha with them. You know, when I go to redeem, they, they can't use them for JAL first. Uh, there's a $25 booking fee when you book a partner award. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what their cancellation fee is. You can't book any children as lap infants on partner awards. That kept me in the penalty box for four years now with them. I mean, you know, it's never the bullet you see coming with them. It's always something that you don't see. Yeah, no. Sorry, I was I looking on their I was looking on their site and, and trying to figure out what the cancellation fees were. And it's like, just boldly, no cancellation fees ever. Rescinded forever. We're just scorched earth. We're torturing that document. We're not going to ever charge fees. But when you start poking at it, it's like, well, maybe for saver level fares or partner awards. Oh, maybe they yeah. don't. It's like, I, I couldn't even get clarity on it. Yeah. The, the page is like 10 pages long on no fee. <laughs> like, no fees ever. Here's the terms. All 10 pages of them. <laughs> I searched, wow. And I searched to, you know, control F. I can't find the word partner anywhere in there. It's like, come on. No, no, you're right. So, but you did have an airline that was even a frequent flyer program that you thought was even more overrated. I did say this. I said, uh, "What about Virgin Atlantic?" Yeah, <laughs> right here in the show notes. <laughs> That's right, and uh, that leads us right to our next topic here. Uh, ANA one-way awards are bookable with Virgin Atlantic miles now, and so. That was, that's right. I'm remembering now. Virgin Atlantic was more overrated, I thought, because it's a singular benefit. I mean, it's being called, I think, the most generous uh, award booking in the world or something with that level of craziness. And so if you are able to fly ANA, maybe you're one or two people or you have extremely flexible dates for a family of three or four and you don't need to come home ever on ANA. And that's why this is actually a really big development, I think, because finding space in one direction is maybe possible, but finding it in both directions became almost impossible. At the uh, same time, that, right at the yeah, schedule Yeah, it made end. sense, I mean, just... <laughs> and you weren't spending nine weeks in Japan. Yeah, exactly. So, um, But, you know, being able to do this now, uh, is this a nice release valve for someone who had to cancel a large number of uh, flights booked with Virgin Atlantic miles after all, are we forgetting the massive devaluation on Delta flights and all of the other things that came about in the last year in this program just because you can book one way with ANA? Are we forgetting that, Robert, or are we crazy? <laughs> That's huge. That was the other thing that I redeemed them for, and I have a bunch of them still. 
And think about how singular and odd that one redemption is. I think it's great, uh, potentially, but first of all, you have to want to go to Japan or somewhere beyond that. And that doesn't define a lot of the population. Heck, you can't even go there right now if you wanted to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, great news. Uh, people are saying it's got maybe the valuation is coming though, but just like we were talking with, with connections, A&A does not serve Boston. Uh, A&A does serve JFK, but that involves a stop and all that. And I wrote a blog post about how well JAL with other partners has worked for me. So it just doesn't rise to the surface of something I could do. I looked at, you know, trying to be able to do maybe two in business, two in, in first on that, even with ANA's miles, let alone Virgin Atlantic's. And I saw not a whiff of opportunity there. And ANA opens up with their own miles at, I think, 360 days. And here you come late to the party with your Virgin Atlantic miles begging, you know, for one seat <laughs> or two seats. You're, I'm not going to have any luck getting all four of us in business and first cabin on uh, on a and I have to get down to JFK to do it. So it becomes, you know, I've got a better option. Hey, you know, maybe if they canceled that Boston route, JAL cancels that Boston route, I'd be looking at the ANA route. But gosh, talk about something that is of very limited utility and something you'd, I'd be terrified about, you know, speculatively transferring things over there or yeah, booking. Yeah. Uh, even if you saw booking, you transferred it over there, then you can't get into Japan when you want. And then you're stuck with Vernon Atlantic miles that aren't very useful for quite a while. I mean, that's the third. It's a trifecta of these singular strong use miles that we've talked about here, Robert. Singapore on their own metal. Alaska, we, we constantly say, yeah, to Asia, I guess that's the best use of them, uh, but uh, relatively weak in other areas. And now you have this third one here. And so I, I think the takeaway, the general takeaway is keep the flexibility as long as you can to transfer when you need to to the most effective place you for the most effective travel that you want to take. And I think that's the takeaway from all three of those programs. Maybe they're each great at one thing, but it'd be ideal to have uh, the ability to do all three of those things when you need to. And so I, I'm, you know, I'm happy that these options are there, but let's not all run and do the same thing that everyone else is doing. In fact, it's going to actually be worse because now how much award space was just taken off the table for Virgin Atlantic with ANA. And so if you're late to this party, now you're looking at an even more picked over world where, you know, before maybe there was the ability to book it with something else one way. And now it's totally picked through. Well, at what point do the bank points become even less interesting if every transferable partner has no good redemptions at all? I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the thing that really stink is if all of the good premium international captains go away if other airlines take the direction that Delta took when they basically made it uh, a 1.3 cent yeah. uh, points of a value. You might as well use them for that. And the international premium cabin becomes, gosh, I mean, some of those flights, they don't even get to 1.3 cents a point because they're so they're so affordable otherwise. I mean, I think Asia is hard to get to. And even if they jacked up the price on this to be quite a bit more, you're going to be in, in good shape with that redemption versus cash. But the fewer of those are in the game, it, the, the less excited I am about you know, even chasing bank points at some point, it just becomes a cash out kind of game. Yeah. And the day is coming. I know it, Robert, where, where one or both of us is going to buy a flight in business class with transferable points through the portal with the, with the uplift that ends up being the best option. Uh, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. You know, we I talked so much about it last year. Yeah. I got, got really close. It was like 70,000 versus 85,000 or something like that. And and then you earn a bunch of miles for it too. And yeah, there's a psychological barrier when you're looking at $2,700 for a ticket. But when you could transfer a point out for pennies or 1.25 cents, that, that's the cost of transferring it somewhere else as well. So yeah, it's a very, very different game than it was even three or four years ago. The caution that we need to have in doing things, the the uh, 
the checking I think that we need to do before we just knee jerk reaction and do what other people are doing. It's bigger than ever because the situations are changing so quickly. Look at the whole news. Everything in this news is new this week. (laughs) Amazing. It'll be interesting space to watch. We could talk about this all day, Robert, but I think that makes the show. Yeah. If you want to hear more, check us out on the paid show. Thanks for joining us this week. For a more in-depth discussion about points and miles, visit us at patreon.com slash malonomics. There you get a special link to listen to additional content right in your mobile podcast app or on your computer where we speak more freely about topics like these. I can't wait to tell you all about how my PayPal account was temporarily limited this week. Scary stuff. (laughs) As always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Milenomics, and Robert is at Robert Dwyer. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, we'll see you on the site.